Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I believe that every good thing God wants to do in your life, everything that God has planned for your life, begins with one word, and that word is yes. There are very few ways people express the love of God through their yes better than adopting kids into their families, fostering kids through extremely difficult seasons. The people who foster, the people who adopt are true heroes. That's why here at Say Yes, we have taken the whole month of October to focus on telling amazing stories of people whose yes has created safety, love, family, and hope for kids. Listen, laugh, cry, and feel deeply as we enter into conversations with people from across the country whose yes to God has created space and home for others. Our sponsor this month is Foster 180. Foster 180 is a hand-holding nonprofit for families here in Lebanon, Tennessee. Foster 180 builds bridges of care by holding hands with families, care workers, kids, providing physical support like clothes and cribs, emotional support through training and walking alongside those people whose yes has led to fostering. Check them out at foster180.com and the link will be in each of your show notes. You can find Say Yes and Become on Spotify, Apple, and wherever podcasts can be found. And we would love it if you listen, follow, and like us. So get ready, grab your coffee, and step into the stories of yes. Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I am really excited about our guest today. Bill and Jenny Sanders uh, are Foster 180. They lead this nonprofit, and they do some really special work in the uh, fostering adoption world, loving, hand-holding families, uh, and they are um, new friends of mine. In fact, this is the first time we've ever sat face-to-face, yep. and so I'm excited to meet them. Uh, we've been chatting, and that's a bit fun for me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you and tell you whatever they want to tell you about themselves, as long as it's true, okay? <laughs> All right. Would you please introduce yourselves to our listeners? Hi, my name is Bill Sanders. Um, I am 51 years old. Um, originally from Pennsylvania. We live in Nashville right now. We've been here 26 years. Jenny and I got married um, and moved to Nashville. Um, we, uh, so I work for a local utility company. Um, I got really have a really good job. Mm. And um, so we have three kids, um, three girls. And I'm Jenny Sanders. Um, we have three daughters, um, 18, 15, and 6. What a great spread. Yeah. Keeps us on our toes for sure on both ends of the spectrum. Um, we became foster parents uh, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, and out of that is where Foster 180 grew. Wow. So from your experience, God touched your heart, and now Foster 180 is the expression of God's hand on your heart. Mm -hmm. That is such a great, great thing. Um, Our podcast is called Say Yes and Become because we literally uh, believe with all of our heart that uh, all the good things that come out of being our faith come out of saying yes. Yes Mm -hmm. to friendship with God. Yes to partnership with God. I know I say that for you listeners every time. I just don't ever want to get too far away from that. Mm -hmm. What makes that fun for me is that I get to hear how differently yes sounds for people. And at the same time, how, how broad that sends them from kingdom work, whether it is across the seas or across the street, 
God has plans for each of us in the design. So Bill and Jenny, I am thankful that you are here today. Uh, I am grateful for the work you do. October in uh, the Forgen Network, or Say Yes Pod, I'm sorry, Forgen Network's the ministry we run. And the Say Yes Pod, uh, is actually uh, focused on foster adoption. And so we're going to interview families. We're going to interview people who've done it. We're going to have just these conversations. Here's what I uh, wanted to do. I wanted to start with you guys because you actually run a program for fostering families. And yeah. so I wanted to just have that conversation with you. And you're kicking us off. This will be... Uh, this will be a lot of fun. And so here's my first question. I hope you're ready for it. What is the distance of the earth to the sun? No, I'm just kidding. That is not the first question. It's, it's about 93 million miles, but I Googled it. So uh, here's the question I have for you is uh, since our podcast is Say Yes and Become, what is uh, what are some significant yeses that maybe individually you have said and then together as a couple, we said yes to God together so you you guys can rock paper scissors to see who goes first and then uh take it away and just chat well i would say one of the biggest yeses i would say would be moving to nashville okay right so i was living at home with my parents at 24 years old 23 years old and um just working staying with my parents jenny and i had been dating and we were like you know, we're in a small town. Do we want to live here? I had a friend that moved to Nashville. You know, should we move to Nashville? And everything just pointed to Nashville. We prayed about it, talked to our pastor, um, went on, a, we got married, went on our honeymoon, came to Nashville for a week um, after our honeymoon, and it just it just worked out. And it was like, it was it was a yes, but it was. It's weird, you know. Yeses are like. You just feel right about it, right? Yeah, so it's not even yeah. like it's not like I have to say yes. It's like why why wouldn't I do this? And so, yeah, I mean that's a pretty big one. Yeah, I, I do. I do remember um, the night we were leave the next day we we're gonna leave and go back to Pennsylvania to get our things and and make the trip to Nashville to live here. <clears throat> and I remember Bill asking me. He said, "So what do you think? You know." Are you okay with this? Because both of our families are in Northeast Pennsylvania. Like, we mm -hmm. move away from everybody. And I remember looking at him and say, saying, with everything that had happened in that week, which were amazing things, jobs, places, our, our apartment, everything, um, I said, I feel like if we said no, we'd be being disobedient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Bill just looked at me and he said, I think you're right, yeah. you know, and went home and got our little tiny U-Haul because we didn't have anything, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, and made our trip. And here you are 26 years later and uh, saying yes to God really has led you on an adventure. Yes, uh, for sure. New friends, new everything. It's right. like a whole page, whole book opened up for right. you guys. Mm -hmm. Are there any other significant yeses that you could point to that go... Yeah, this was a pretty big deal for us, individually or as a couple. As individually, I would say, you know, um, Bill, whether we consider it a privilege or not, um, was raised in a Christian home, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I was not. Okay. And so um, big for me, I would say, going against 
the current of my family. Mm. Um, mm. The Lord made himself very evident to me very young. Um, I was four years old when I said yes to Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, in a little classroom that my grandmother took me to church and yeah. and Mrs. Humphreys, who is in heaven now, but, you know, shared shared Jesus with me. And I knew exactly who she was talking about yeah. and, and saying yes to him. Um, that little, I think, um, was a huge um, impact on my life, obviously, as salvation should be. Um, but just realizing that there was more than just what was inside yeah. my four walls of... Of sin. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to do any math out loud, but mm. let's just say it was more than a decade ago. Yeah. When you said yes to God because Mrs. Humphreys mm. explained the goodness of Jesus mm-hmm. in a way a four year old could say, I understand that. Yeah. Aren't we so glad for the Mrs. Humphreys of the world? Oh, yes. You know, if we could give a shout out to them, we would. Yes. Um, that is pretty exciting. It was a. Uh, it was a guy named Roy Clark for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, uh, I was three. Yeah. And wow. so, yeah, wow. I remember yeah. it like it was yesterday. Yeah. So yeah. that's beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Bill, anything, that, any individual yeses for yourself that you could think of? Mm, individual yeses. <laughs> you can steal yeah. our answer if you like. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, I was saved at a young age also. In, in, you know, as Jenny said, I grew up in church. And so I remember the night that I was saved, but I don't, I think it was just, I've been taught the Bible my whole life and didn't really know any different, but it, it definitely, at some point along those lines, at six years old, it still becomes real to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I was saved at a young age, so I mean, that's a, that's like the ultimate yes. Really. Isn't it though? Because I mean, without that yes, like all these other yeses aren't really, they don't really yeah. mean anything. That seems to be like the first domino, mm-hmm. but it influences not just because of inertia and knocking the rest of the dominoes right. over. It's like God's in the middle of every single push. Right. Yes. Single, isn't it? Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. incredible. Yeah. Uh, to, to meet <laughs> Jesus at a young age, both of you. So uh, most of your whole entire life has been on the side of faith and right. friendship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great story that is to yeah. tell. I always ask people... Um, when uh, when I do my training on finding your hope story, because at one point in time, you exchanged the hope you had here for a hope in Jesus. Yeah. And that's a hope story. And um, I always ask them to try and pinpoint, and you don't have to do this today, uh, try and pinpoint uh, what you were asking Jesus to do. Because there's sometimes it's hard to remember the exact words. Now, like I grew up in a Baptist church, so I know the exact words because I know what they're going to tell me to say. Right, right. And I said it and I remember them. But that's not always true. And so what were you asking Jesus to do when mm-hmm. Mrs. Humphreys said, hey, here's the gospel. What did you respond with? What was your request? Same for you at six, right. Bill. There's just a fun, that's a fun story to remember. Mm-hmm. And now you have a six, 15, and 18-year-old mm-hmm. being able to point back to them remember that time what do you think you were asking Jesus to do and the reason why that's such a great question mm-hmm. is because he often does it mm-hmm. you know you can look back and go wow there's a lot of faithfulness in God right. uh, well he's all faithful but you know yes. just to look and man I asked him to be with me forever well he's really answered that question mm-hmm. or that yeah. request so uh, excellent thank you for those uh, for those uh, since we're, we're talking about say yes and become 
uh, it would seem to be that since Foster 180 is on your shirt and that's really what we came <laughs> to talk about, um, there's a big yes in that. Mm -hmm. Can you, uh, the before that was fostering kids. Yeah. So can, tell me a little bit about the process you came to to say we're going to foster kids because that is not a little decision. That's a it's big not. one. So tell <laughs> yeah. us a little bit about that. So we had no intention of, like I know there's people that they they want to foster. And I'm not saying that we didn't want to. Foster just was not on our radar. Right. We just got a phone call that this little girl needed some help. And um, she was at DCS and yeah. DCS called us and said, there's a girl here at the office. She wants to know if she can live with you. And I called Bill and he answered the phone, which you have to understand when you work for a local utility company in the position that he has, normally he doesn't answer the phone right away. Right. But on the first ring, he answered and I said, I just got this phone call. And um, she's in the office, it was a little girl that we knew. And um, I said, they want us to be foster parents. And I said, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I, like, said, I had no idea what And it I meant. said, me either, but they said they'd explain it to us. And um, I said, but right now we just have to make the decision if we're okay with her living with us. Yeah. And Bill said, let's pray. And he got about two sentences into his prayer and he stopped and he said, Jenny, what are we doing? Of course. Yeah. How, could, how could we not say yes? Yeah. Yeah. We know she needs people to love her. Yeah. And so that started our journey of fostering. And um, when she left our, our home, um, DCS asked us if we would continue because we were considered kinship mm -hmm. foster parents because we had prior knowledge of the child that was going to live with us. Um, but they asked if we would be traditional foster parents. Mm. So that meant we were going to bring in children that we didn't know right. <laughs> into our home. And so our girls, our older two girls, were seven and nine. Um, and bringing a foster child into your home um, that saw as many things as our first little girl saw. She was 16 when she came to live with us and she'd been through some horrible horrible yeah. situations and that was hard it was hard for our girls too you know of the things that happened in our home um, while she lived with us and so we went to our girls and we said do we want to keep doing this do you want to keep doing this you know because when you foster it's not just the adults in the house yeah. that are fostering it's it's the children too and so um, they both said yes. They knew that there were other children that needed to be loved, like our, our first little girl. And um, I really wondered about our, our seven-year-old because she was the one that had to give up her bedroom and right. give up all the things, you know. And um, so I was really concerned, you know, at seven to be able to make that decision. But we had already discussed, like, if they had said no, if they felt like that we wouldn't. Um, and so... Yeah, well, the way we... The way I remember it is we said, you know, it's a family decision. Like if yeah. one of us says no, if I were to say no, then we as a family decide together that it's a yeah. no. Or if one of the, if Jenny did or one of the kiddos said, hey, you know, I just don't feel like yeah. we collectively agreed like that is what's best for our family. Yeah. Like we say no, not, not, not just one not individual. Not point out who said no, yeah. but we said no as a family. And so, yeah. But they said yes. They said yes. <laughs> you know, I feel the emotion in both of you. Uh, just in the conversation and uh, don't hide that at all because uh, when God puts when God puts that at the surface of your face uh, those tears those emotions that chin that wiggles 
um, that is all about the grace of God pouring through you uh, and coming to you at the same time. And so I encourage that. You just need to know that if I join you, you can't make fun of me, okay? All right. And, and so as you, you, you bring in this first gal, um, as you said, Bill, we just can't say no. In the middle of prayer, you already know the answer to the prayer. Yeah. Uh, that is powerful. That is a huge yes. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's leading in your home, but that's a huge yes. Uh, this is probably, you can say, no, I don't want to answer this. Um, <laughs> Jenny, when he said, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. um, what happened in your heart? Uh, it kind of exploded. Yeah, in a good in, way? In, or? in both ways, yeah. right? Like, the, that's a huge decision. Yeah. You know, um, I, I homeschooled our girls, mm -hmm. you know, um, Bill said in the beginning, like, we've been blessed with a good job where I've been able to stay home with our kids and like, what would this do to our family? But at the same time, knowing absolutely mm -hmm. we need to do this. Mm -hmm. So excited, you know, that we're going to be able to, to bring this little girl in and love on her. Um, but I would say, I think it's important to understand, like, when you don't know about foster care, yeah. that you put yourself behind the eight ball real quick, yes, do. you know? And so, um, not knowing what that was going to bring into our home, um, was, you know, but adoration maybe for my husband too. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, just, just knowing, um, <laughs> that he is the sole provider for our family yeah. and to take on another child. Um, and to open our home and to say, you know what, we're going to do this, you know, together. And uh, to have a husband that will say yes is huge. Yeah, it is. I, I got to tell you, when you said adoration, he smiled. Because <laughs> there's not a man in the world who doesn't, who doesn't want to hear that his wife respects and honors. Mm -hmm. and, and you're the guy. He and is. <laughs> so that's really cool. Uh, uh, thank you for that. I know I kind of pried into the personal stuff there. Uh, but fostering is very personal. Yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so you said, yes, yeah, she comes into your home, and from that point on, everything went perfect and smooth, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, ironically, it did, right? Like, there's learning through all that. So with, without it going the way it goes, it's like like when, when something happens, like at a wedding, like when something crazy happens at a wedding, if it didn't happen, you really wouldn't remember that wedding, but you remember it because of whatever happened at that in that moment. Yes. So fostering is the same way. Like if everything was perfect, it would be perfect. But even with the bumps along the way, it, it grows you as a person. It grows you as a family. You know, even your kiddos can, you know, their character is molded by that, if you want to call it imperfection, but it really is a perfection, you know, yeah. in a sense. Sure, sure. When, when you think about that, um, and your answer, it feels like what you're saying is it was, it was not perfect, but it was the perfect situation for us to learn and grow. Right. Mm -hmm. And it also feels like you're saying you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't unring the bell, even no. if you could. Yeah. 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 And yeah. 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 that's, that's, that is a great, great answer, Bill. Thank you for that. Um, I think there's just a lot of people out there um, who think, well, I said yes to God, so from here on out, it's, you know, it's beaches, it's smooth sailing, mm -hmm. there might be a gentle breeze, 
Sometimes it picks up, but that cools me off in the humidity kind of deal, right? Yeah. I say humidity because we're in the South. Yeah. Uh, I was just in Cuba, and man, oh man, it's even, it's, the air is thick. Uh, and so uh, what you're saying, at least what I hear you saying, I don't want to put words in yeah. your mouth, is that, um, no, we had bumps. We had some sure. uh, bruises. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to learn. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much that you went, oh, well, that's a nice lesson. Right. right. It was more that uh, we better buckle down because we're in, we're in school right now. Right. And we're taking a test we didn't study for. Right. Absolutely. You yeah. know, so, yeah. uh, but it's so worthwhile. Right. So worthwhile. Okay. Uh, any, any other thoughts on that, Jenny? Yeah. So, I mean, we, in learning those things um, and through those bumps and those experiences, I think um, foster care, um, one of the important things to recognize, and I say it often, is fostering is one of the hardest things that we have ever done as a family. But we would not change one minute with any child that we mm-hmm. have had in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, they Each child has taught us something about ourselves, mm-hmm. has made us go deeper in our faith, um, has made us hold on to our family tighter, and um, really learn a lot about ourselves and mm-hmm. who God desires us to be, yeah. to do His work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Such, yeah. such the hands and feet of Jesus. Go ahead, Bill. I was just going to say a small reward is like, when you have a kiddo that's been in your house and you know has moved out and you get a phone call right and they come over for dinner and you're like yeah or or you hear about a um you know Jenny bumped into a, a grandmother and through their talking realized that we had her granddaughter and you know just saying how is she doing like she's doing amazing you know and so those stories are yeah. you don't really ever know where some of the kids are right you know but at the end of the day you do know that you 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 invested them in them, right? And they, they've heard the gospel, yeah, right? And so right. what happens from that day on? I mean, it really isn't up to me really anyways, right? I just have to say yes and do my part. Yes. And yes. anything after that is like, I was obedient in my part. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so, but the reward is these kiddos. Like, yeah. 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 <clears throat> we always say um, to uh, people, when they volunteer for something, you might be here because you love kids. You might be here because you love the people you're going to serve. And that should never go away, we hope. Mm-hmm. But we always say what, what got you here won't keep you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's got to be an element of love for God. Right. That you say, even when it's hard, we stay. Mm-hmm. Even when it's difficult, we stay. And so if I could point this question at the two of you and... Um, how has your love for Jesus shaped your decisions to say yes in fostering? Hmm. Um, so I'm going to back up a little bit in my story. Um, I grew up in um, what we would consider dysfunction, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I remember telling Bill early in our marriage that I wanted... I had this desire to be a voice for the voiceless. I didn't know what that meant. Um, I didn't know what, you know, tangibly that looked like. And I remember telling him about a few opportunities that I saw and he said, oh, your heart wouldn't be able to handle that, Jenny. And and he's right. Like when I look back at the the times that I was thinking I could move forward in that, I I was not ready. Um, And I'm thankful for a husband that could see that. Um, But... 
when we know and we trust scripture and we believe Jesus when he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know this was the desire of our heart, mm-hmm. but he did. He yeah. knew, he knew what that looked like, even though he put that in my heart so long ago that I wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, because I don't feel like anybody was my voice when I was voiceless yeah. when I was little. Um, but <clears throat> never did I think it would be what it is today with Foster 180 yeah. either, you know? Um, but I would say my love for him, his faithfulness, how he, you know, he does prove himself yes, he does. to us over and over again. Um, even, even when sometimes we wake up, I'm like, I can't do this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I would say there were mornings like that with different kids in our house, like, we're going to get up and we're going to do this all over again today, <laughs> you know? Um, but he is faithful. And yeah. so my love for, for him, um, really just because of his faithfulness, he is who he says he is yeah. to our family mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and to us individually. And, you know, people are going to fail us. Our kids are going to mess up and do those yeah. things, but I can trust him with the plan that he has for each child that we've touched and yeah. his plan for us, you know, as adults and, and doing the kingdom work that he's called us to do. But I would say that's, that's a big, yeah. big piece for me. Mm-hmm. We have a little twist on the scripture. Uh, Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You just said that. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, he places the desires in your heart mm-hmm. right. rather than gives you whatever your heart desires. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he places a desire in you. Mm-hmm. And what I love about what you just said, and build to your credit, God has to do some work in our heart to prepare us to, right. to handle you know, that desire in a way that honors him most and mm-hmm. doesn't crush us. Because he didn't put that in you to crush you. He That's put right. that in you to use you. Yeah. So that is amazing the way you phrased that. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Um, how has this impacted your love for God? You know, being raised in church, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you kind of you go to church, you learn scripture, and you go home, and then you go back, you know, either on Wednesday night and then back on Sunday and do that. And so either I just wasn't recognizing it, that you're really not, I wouldn't say pushed, but... Um, encouraged to, to live out what you're learning right? right and so by doing this I think you know there's a there's a there's that love factor that you know about God right yeah. but I don't necessarily show that to people outside of my world right mm. like I can show it to my wife and my family and my, my friends and people that are close to me but to just help somebody that is I don't really know and they're really not kind of my problem that I should have to worry about them and so I think just knowing what's been done for us yeah um, yeah definitely makes it easier to love some kiddos that I mean you recognize like I'm not all that perfect either yeah. believe it or not yeah. and so yeah yeah I sense in both of you if I could just say this um, I've been around the foster world at different places and different did some training for foster parents did a a variety of things over the years but one of the things that I sense in both of you is that even though it's tiring you're not exhausted mm-hmm. uh, because there is a there is a strength that comes to you and is going through you more than just going out of you right. and uh, I sense that and that says a lot about the way you both love each other 
and the way you love Jesus right. and the way that he you recognize his love for you mm-hmm. and uh, so that, that leads me to another question for you uh, we're gonna take a couple minute break uh, or a minute break to hear from our sponsor and when I come back here's the question I want you to answer um, whose yeses are you standing on somebody said yes in their life to Jesus that allowed you to enter into a friendship with God and move forward and so the question is going to have two prongs because since we have two people in here I'm going to ask it this way whose yes do you stand on personally that you can say yeah this person this moment this time and then as a couple is there anybody that you can point to and say the way they did it their yes has shaped our yes and so that's what we're going to do we're going to take a quick break uh, and hear from our sponsor Hi there, my name is Ethan Fields and I serve as the Family Support Director for Foster 180. At Foster 180, we recognize the need for family support and believe it is an important piece in order for us to love the children and families in our community well. Included in that support is a wide range of classes we teach to better equip biological parents, foster parents, churches, and RAP teams. Some of those classes consist of providing proactive parenting tools, trauma-informed care, RAP team trainings, and more. We often do this in a group setting, but they can be done in individual settings based on need as well. Another avenue of support we offer is assisting foster families with materials they need during a placement in their home. This can be an extremely challenging time in the early days of the placement, and our goal is to take just one more item off your plate to help lighten the load. This could be providing a car seat, crib, stroller, or packs of diapers, or even items such as toys, books, and clothes. We want to be a resource to assist these foster families in our community in order for them to be able to be as effective and supported as they possibly can be. Welcome back to Say Yes and Become. Uh, We're here with Bill and Jenny, um, and we're talking about Foster 180. We're talking about how saying yes has shaped uh, their care in the foster world, foster care, how uh, they both, we hear this great story of how they chose to foster uh, their first daughter and where that has led them. And now they have, in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you more about the organization itself. Um, but we're just kind of unpacking the story right now. Mm-hmm. That's so much fun for me. And so the question I asked uh, before we went to break was, whose yes do you stand on? Uh, Jenny, I'm going to just let you go. So I would, Mrs. Humphreys, who I spoke about earlier for sure, um, you know, sometimes we we think that when we serve in church and we're serving little people, we're not really doing much. Um, and I would just want to encourage those that, teach Sunday school, especially the preschool mm. wings of churches, that you have a huge um, yeah. impact on little lives, that you never know what God is doing in that little person's life. And you could just don't don't ever shy away from telling the gospel. They're not mm. too young. They're not yeah. too little. Mm-hmm. Um, because God God's story for each of us is different. Yeah. And so just put that little nugget out there. Can but, I dig into that one second? Yeah. Um, it sounds to me, and I'm not trying to be too prying. If you find me, you say, move along, nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like she made you feel safe. She did. And you did not, you said that you had some dysfunction 
or maybe you didn't feel safe. I did not, and yeah. I and I did not feel loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really wanted yeah. um, in my home, and so um, there was a lot of words um, that flew through our home that that really sent messages of um, that you didn't have value. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't, you weren't really worth much. And um, and I say that, but I, but I want to say too. Um, generational sin is real you know my parents acted out of what they knew yes yes. Um, and when they say they loved us I believe they believe that Mm -hmm. you know and so um, but no I was not in a safe place Um, but when I went to church and Miss Humphrey started telling me about a man that loved me I knew he was real Mm. Um, I I knew I had felt him loved me even in moments in my house where I was scared Mm. Um, I still had this peace that somebody somebody somewhere loved me and so when she started telling me the story about Jesus Christ and he was the man that loved me I was yes like I was like I know that man I I don't I don't know what he looks like (laughs) but I know him I believe you yeah and so um, yeah so Mrs. Humphreys was was a huge part of that. I also had a grandmother that prayed for me. My great grandfather was a was a pastor. Okay. Um, and so she, if we could make it to her house on foot, by the time she left for church, yes. <laughs> we would we would get to go. And so, um, even as a four year old, I would get up and throw some clothes on and run down there and try to here, try to get there before here it comes. before she left when i was a kid i had to go to church in the snow five miles <laughs> uphill both ways no, no i'm just I, yeah i wanted to go yeah. I, you know i would um i knew yeah i knew love love existed there and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it drew me so great and so um another yes would be um bill's parents mm-hmm. So Bill and I started dating when I was 15 years old, and um, I did not have an example of a Christian home and what it looked like to communicate in healthy ways and um, just a lot of a lot of things I didn't know. And um, we dated for six years, um, and during those six years, I really got to learn what family was mm. and what it meant to sit down and have devotions, um, what it meant to speak kindly to one another even if you're upset. Now, that I'm not saying his parents were perfect, right? <laughs> but, but they listened to but us, they you're listened. perfect. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but but in, in the, at the same time, there was always a coming back together, yes. you know, and that was yeah, something. Forgiveness, that, I would say. Yeah. Mm, I like that word. And, and an unconditional mm. love, you mm. know, when those, when those things went sideways, in my house, I would just get scared because of what might happen next. Right. But in his house, I didn't have to be scared. I knew that this was going to come to a place where they were going to love each other and forgive each other. Mm-hmm. And um, so that w- that their yes to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, to keep Jesus the center of their marriage yeah. and their home, mm-hmm. um, was a huge example to me and what I wanted our family to look like. And... Um, and so thankful that they had raised a son, you know, that, that had those, those same values. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting because you, you talk about this 
<clears throat> I rephrase things and put them in my words, mm-hmm. not because I think mine are better, but because it helps me understand and make sure right. I understood. Um, in in your family of origin, conflict led to uh, fear, anxiety, and disconnection. Yes. In Bill's home, you saw for the first time that conflict can lead to communication, love, value, and mm-hmm. family. Yeah. And it's interesting <clears throat> in a very good way that now you live and work in a world where people whose, uh, whose experience is that conflict has never led to good things. Mm-hmm. And you're saying there is a place, you know, and, and so from this day forward, I'm just going to call you Mrs. Humphreys. <laughs> uh, you know, but you, yeah. that's, that's who you are. You are the safe voice. Mrs. Brown was one of those people for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was older than dirt. Mm-hmm. And then one day I realized that I'm way older than <laughs> she was when she her arms were wrapping around and hugging me. And I'm like, no, Jesus, no. But those people, those moms whose, whose arms wiggled underneath and whose voices were crackly, mm-hmm. what they were so convincing mm-hmm. yeah. that Jesus was real and that he loved me, mm-hmm. that they really affirmed and confirmed what the Holy Spirit was saying. There's a God mm-hmm. who knows your name and wants mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful story. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing that piece of it. Bill, have we given you enough time to think about this question? Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, I would agree with Jenny. My, my parents, totally. I mean, we, you know... She was talking about the forgiveness aspect. You know, we were, we were raised biblically, and like when when forgiveness happened, that that, like, that was it. It never was brought up again, mm-hmm. right? And so, you couldn't. If you said so, the forgiveness the way it worked in our family was if I asked for forgiveness, right? I would tell Jenna I was sorry, and she says I forgive you, right? So we were we were taught to to actually forgive the person when they're asking for forgiveness mm. and so as soon as you say i forgive you that means you you cannot bring it up again right either you don't forgive them you don't say that but we were we were we we're just raised to, to say that and as a young kid you're like okay i forgive you you know you, you don't really you take it serious but you don't really realize it and as you get older like the the truth behind that is like you, when you do forgive somebody, like yes. I've been forgiven completely by God, yeah. right? And so when I forgive somebody who's maybe done wrong to me, and I say I forgive you, I don't ever talk about it again. Mm-hmm. And they may bring it up, and I say, I mean that's in the past, yeah. right? I mean we both worked through that, and so for that forgiveness is, it's huge I think for anybody. Yeah, you know? yeah. We often hear people talk about in church today. Uh, you need to forgive because it sets you free. You're no longer attached. Um, and while I think psychologically that is true, mm-hmm. what you just described, Bill, is that biblically, uh, the only reason the Bible gives to forgive is because we are forgiven. Right. That's right. And we've been forgiven a lot. Therefore, we should forgive a lot. And so mm-hmm. that's you just giving me such a... Uh, uh, inspirational answer unconditionally unconditionally right. yeah. yes mm-hmm. yes I like which, that which is hard like yeah. I mean you, it's hard you gotta work through some stuff well you do <laughs> and forgiveness is a process mm-hmm. yeah. you know it's not like I forgive you okay we're good let's go bowling right right uh, you know because there's bowling pins and things to hit people with it <laughs> right. uh, and for for us as we walk in and I think this is essential to understanding in the foster care world uh Kids arrive at your home, 
never having known forgiveness right. and not knowing how to forgive. Right. And so they don't forgive. They just compile a list. Right. Right. And a part of the faith world that lives in you and the Jesus that lives in you mm-hmm. is you're teaching them they are forgiven mm-hmm. and how to forgive. Yeah. That is such a gospel-centered uh Boy, that's just multi-layered. It makes me yeah, emotional yeah, think yeah, about it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I think they did a study in the 90s or 70s, 80s or 90s. They said about 80% of the people in in mental institutions could be released today well if they just knew one thing, right. and that's that they were forgiven. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I think, wow, that's just so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Um, can we do this uh, as we continue in this conversation? Can you just tell me a little bit um, about Foster 180? How did it begin? So that's that's one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I want that. Uh, also, what is it that you do? What specific programs you do? And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, not steal any of your words, mm-hmm. okay. uh, and just let you go ahead and tell us. Uh, ready, set, go. Okay. <laughs> um, so Foster 180 was was born out of us fostering, right? <clears throat> and just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, our children through foster here come in and they're in survival mode. And then without resources, you've got foster parents trying to survive in survival mode. And <laughs> that is not a good combination. Right. And so um, we dove deep into a lot of um, research and just studies of like, okay, so how do we help kids that have trauma? How do we how do we conduct our home differently so that they do feel safe? Because yeah. it doesn't matter that my house has a security system and has all the stuff to keep them safe and our doors lock and nobody's coming in, um, they still don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So how do we create that environment to where that felt safety is on the inside? Um, and so we really worked hard to, to figure those things out. And then once we found those resources we were like everybody needs to know about this you know every foster parent every parent because we even realized um in our first conference that we went to together we're like we should have done this with our our kids like we should have started this on day one of them being born to to do parenting this way in our home this way um and so um that's so it was a lot of prayer it was a lot of back and forth. Is it something we can do to run a nonprofit? Because it is a big job. Um, obviously, you know, Bill has a job. I had a job taking care of our kids. What does that look like? So a lot of prayer. Um, and I would say, I, I have to say, like, it can't just be one yes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that was another combined yes for Bill and I. Um, so to, and, and he will, t- we joke that I'm the executive director of Foster 180, and he likes to call himself the assistant to the executive director instead. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so with, with the work that was involved in that, you know, is it is it something that we are able to do? And we wanted to be able to create resources within our community yeah. for foster parents to, to tap into, for the community to understand. We, the kids that we serve are in your backyards. You know, I, I call foster care the invisible storm. Mm. Um, we had a tornado that came through, and we saw the wonderful, beautiful community that we live in where there was just an outpouring of just <clears throat> people cleaning up and people bringing 
goods and food and all the things that that the families needed and it really kind of made me sit back a little bit because I was like you know if we if we could go to every kid's house that they were just pulled out of the night before and throw some insulation around and maybe some tin from some roofs and just put it in their yards would the community see what's going on right here underneath their noses because you just can't see it um and so it really you know, we saw teachers come out and go into the, the neighborhoods because the kids couldn't go to school. Yeah. You know, so our community understands, like, those kids need those connections. They need those relationships. But when it comes to foster care, a lot of times we don't recognize they need the same thing. Right, right. So that made us think about, well, I mean, people know. They just don't know where to serve or where they could plug in. Mm-hmm. So if we could create programs where people could plug in on purpose you know, to reach these kids and reach these families, they would probably do it. But there's got to be an awareness to begin with yes. that our that our community even has these needs. And so that started us, like just, we would go to churches and just, I would talk to the pastors and I would just say, hey, could we just come and do um, a little bit of trauma information with the staff? Um we would like to, if you already have a ministry for orphans and adoption and foster care, if you already have that, like we have a great thing called <clears throat> RAP where we could teach people <clears throat> to come around that foster family on purpose. Right. Explain RAP in, in terms of its acrostic yeah. so that our listeners don't start thinking, you know, beatbox <laughs> and hip-hop and such. So, so RAP is words of encouragement, um, respite, acts of service, and prayer. Okay. And um, we also have care teams, depending on what church you go to. Right. Um, care teams, which is um, cards, acts of service, respite, and um, encouragement through prayer. So right. we just kind of like moved it around for, yeah. for which yeah. churches wanted to call their teams, you know, whatever. So, um, but they do the same thing. And they do, it's just each group can, can, can consist of as little as 10 people mm-hmm. that come around that foster family on purpose to be their village. Right, and so <clears throat> when kids come into care, it is crazy. There are so many appointments in court and all the things that, that foster parents have to do just to receive that child into their home. And the normal person doesn't know that. They don't, you know, they'd have no reason to know it unless you were a foster parent. Right. So just our acts of service, you know, if you can just bring meals for the first two weeks when a kid is placed in their house. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, in those first two weeks, if the lawn is getting up to the to your knees, like go mow the grass for dad because yeah. he's overwhelmed too. Um, some dads, you know, that's their that's their quiet time. So oh, always yeah. ask the dad if they yeah, want you to. <laughs> Who's out there mowing my lawn? Get off my lawn, you kids. <laughs> um, but but just things like that, you know, just on purpose. And respite is huge. Um, some people think it sounds horrible that parents need a break but we need a break yes we do um our marriage our marriages count on those breaks you know and having that time to connect with your spouse and even your biological kids you know so some of that is you know can you make a fun night for the for the foster children you know it's a special night for them Mm -hmm. well we do some stuff with our biological kids you know because they're they're feeling the brunt of this as well Mm -hmm. um you know and then of course there's always group things that they can do too right um and then from there um we i really started praying about the curriculum that tennessee taught 
um, it was it was called PATH, um, Parents as Tender Healers. And I just started praying. And I was just like, you know, there's just not a lot of trauma information in that mm. training. There wasn't a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we need to know about DCS, but there wasn't a lot of what happens in my house mm. once that child comes in. And so started praying, started talking to, to DCS, and I got a phone call one day, and they said, hey, DCS is going to rewrite the curriculum. Um for Tennessee do you want on that team and I said absolutely (laughs) yeah Um, yeah and so very grateful you know to be able to be a part of that Um, it's now called Tennessee key Tennessee knowledge empowers you Mm. Um, got a lot of trauma information in it and just helping to make stronger homes from the beginning and so trying to figure it out I, I can never prepare you for what will actually happen when that child shows up right I just I can't do that but I can give you information of ways that you should respond that can make it better. Um, but every foster parent has to experience that first placement mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> to really know yeah. what it's going to look mm-hmm. like in their, in their own house. And so, um, so that, was, that was huge. That launched in 2020 right before COVID right. launched. Um, <laughs> so that made it interesting. Um, but... That, that was a huge piece of it for us, and that allowed me to even dive deeper. So in the last two years, um, I've gone through um, what is called ITR, an Instinctive Trauma Response Training, mm-hmm. to where I can help kiddos and parents understand what's going on in the kid's brain, mm-hmm. you know, because trauma affects our brain development. We need to know that. Yeah. Um, I also um, am finishing up next week. I'll be... Um, traveling to finish up TBRI, which is trust-based relational intervention, mm-hmm. um, practitioner training to have that certification, um, and then also a parent coach with connected families. And so all of the those three pieces have really what has built the programs that that we have that we do at Foster One at Foster One Eighty. And so all of them um, are faith-based and and mm-hmm. some form and uh, really just are a great model whether you're a foster parent or Mm -hmm. not um, I think it's important for us to understand even just as a whole community that our kids have experienced especially here our kids have been through a tornado our kids have been through COVID Mm -hmm. Um, there's things that our kids are afraid of and so even just some of the some of the training that we do is just for, for pastors and staff to understand our, our kids are a little bit different mm-hmm. than they were a couple of years ago yeah. um, mm-hmm. because of the experiences that, that they've, they've had. And so... So if a pastor's listening to you right now mm-hmm. and they're saying, I, I think we could use some of that, mm-hmm. how would they access that? How would they get a hold of you? So they can, they can email me. Okay. It's jenny.sandersf180 at gmail.com. Okay. And that's going to go in the link uh, on the show program. And, yeah. uh, and they can get hold of me and we can, we can set that up. We All can right. do it through Zoom. What, you know, Excellent. Whatever is... Um, they can look you me know. up on the internet. Sorry. Foster180.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our website, foster180.com. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Perfect. And so, yeah. But that, that's a huge piece, I think, just for... For us to understand, a lot of times we we get into this thinking process of kids are resilient, right? You know, and they'll just bounce back and they're going to be fine. 
Um, but resilience we know only happens when they have a very safe person to yeah. do that with. And so if we leave them to themselves, they'll never figure it out. Yeah. But if we have caring adults that actually come alongside those kids, there can be huge resilience. Yeah. Elasticity of the soul wears out eventually. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you can stretch it too far. Uh, and it sounds like what you're giving and providing are ways to both keep you from stretching it too far, too far but allowing uh, what God does in the life of a person to restore the elasticity that he gives us. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is just such a great gift. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, Thank you so much. It's important, you know. Um, But we also, we started a, so Foster 180 will be a year old next month. Woohoo, yes. We're going to throw a big party. But um, I can only um, say one thing. Okay. before you, uh, before you, if you're listening and you think, well, they've only been around 11 months, that's uh, not an accurate representation. They've been around doing this a long time. Yeah. Foster 180 sure. has been around 11 months, almost a year. And so th- this is an organization created uh, to unleash years of experience, yes. years of understanding, years of of training and equipping and I just want to say that out loud yeah, so that you. somebody doesn't say well let's let's let them try for a little longer <laughs> they've been going and doing well so yeah. okay yeah. yes thank sorry you. to interrupt you but no, I thank you um, so some of the things that we have been able to do uh, here in Wilson County um, we've partnered with court and mm-hmm. um, we have a, a wonderful um, juvenile court judge um, Barry Tatum who I, I think the world of for many different reasons um, as foster parents mm-hmm. um, the courtroom can be very intimidating mm-hmm. um, and he has always made it a place where we could feel safe yeah. to mm-hmm. have a voice for our kids to be be mm-hmm. that advocate mm-hmm. that yeah. that foster parents want to be for for the kids um, and so we we he had this idea um, early spring last year and he's like you know how do we how do we get to these kids before they get to me and okay and so um we we created a program called soar student outreach and resilience okay and so that is a program that we do in the public school system it's a mentor program where volunteers um, can come in we train them and then uh, they're able to go into our middle schools and be with those kids one-on-one and we do some activities um, outside the school too Um, but we're just creating that space for those kids Um, they're chosen by uh, their their counselors and their principals Um, they have leadership potential and we we dive into that with those kids okay excellent yeah and so that's our SOAR program Um, we also are bringing um, families count Mm-hmm. That is a gospel-driven um, parenting class for ch- for parents who have lost their lost custody of their children mm. um, to the state. Wow! Um, that is out of a um, program, um, Lifeline Children's Services, out of Alabama. Okay. Um, and we've partnered with them to come into our area to uh, start those programs within the churches, and those parents receive mentors, yes. and they go through the the parenting classes almost every. Um, permanency plan, which is the piece of paper that every birth parent gets and says, this is what you must do to regain custody of your right. children. Um, most of them are going to have, you have to do a parenting class. Mm-hmm. And so 
for us, we're like, you know, we know what really transforms families. Yeah. That's Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we started looking for programs that did that, and, and this is what we found was Families Count. And so I'm excited um, that we're going to be do the, doing the training next month, and, and we have three churches that are already ready to to get involved in that. So and great. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also have Camp Togo. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Well, a lot of people know Togo. If you know Disney, it's a little dog. Um, he was a sled dog, and he, you know, blew everybody's minds with what he was able to do. And for me, um, the reason we called it Camp Togo was, you know, when our kids, when they're put in the right places, uh, can do the same thing. Yeah. You know, given the opportunity. Yeah. And he was a he was a dog, but the owner kept saying, "No way, he can't be a sled dog." And right. But yeah. then when he put him in in front. He led the team like you wouldn't believe. So that that's oh, where sure. we get Ask our me what I'm watching later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but that's where our name comes from. But this is a, a summer camp. Um, obviously, this was our first summer to do it. We started very small. I told our action team, I said, we are not going to make this huge right off the bat. We are going to start small and do it the best we can mm -hmm. and then build from there. And it was a wonderful week of just being with these kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, the kiddos want to know, is it is this all summer? Yeah. yeah. Or really I just, parents, just three days. No, is it a day camp or overnight? It, it day? was day just camp. Day, day camp, yeah. okay. Because yeah. I know there's there's uh, hoops you got to jump through for overnight things. Yes, yeah. yes. So day camp, Just I a day that. camp. But the yeah. kiddos were like, is this so this next week too and next week all summer? <laughs> like, it's just this way. So, and we yeah. would like to be able to build to that. but yeah. um, it it's, And that's just a camp where I made sure they had their own counselor. So one-on-one, mm -hmm. -on -one, again, it's about relationship, yes. right? It doesn't matter who is doing the, the brain science mm -hmm. on trauma. We know that the, the resilience factor comes with relationship. Yes. That shouldn't surprise us as Christians because God made us relational, yes. right? And so we know that's what, what it takes. So we did one-on-one -on -one, um, counselors with them, and we did games that taught them self-regulation, you know, all, all the big fancy words that come with helping a kid know how to regulate his own body knowing when they're they're out of control yeah, yeah. you know and what to do when that happens yeah. um, and giving them real real in in their life and the situations that they were in and the children that God brought to us were not the children we thought mm -hmm. we were gonna have we we thought we knew what kids we were gonna have right. and so I had made the list <clears throat> and all of a sudden I didn't have enough counselors for all the kids that we we're gonna have, and I'm stressing, right? Like the one thing you're not supposed to do, right? Don't worry, God's got it. Um, but I'm like, Lord, I don't know how you're gonna get this. I don't know how this is gonna happen. And then all of a sudden, all these kids were like, the, the parents were reaching out going, look, I found a day camp. He's gonna start on this day, so he's not gonna be able to come. And then she's not gonna be able to come, and we're losing our kids. And I'm like, oh my word, now we have more counselors than we have kids, what is going on? And I remember Saturday night laying my head, the, the week, the Saturday before camp was supposed to start, I'm laying my head on my pillow and I said, Lord, I have no idea where these kids are going to come from, but I trust you. You you did not bring us this far. I mean, with the counselors that we had, the food that was going to be provided, the helpers that were going to be there, the, the campus that we were going to get to use, like you would not have put this together if there were not kids that you wanted us to reach. Mm. So show me where they are. Because I don't know. <laughs> that Sunday, our list was full. Wow. Some of the kids we hadn't even met before. And the stories that they came to camp with, 
were sad and hard. Um, but to see smiles on their faces and play the games that we were able to play and for them to learn that they were loved. Yeah. So that camp is based around you were, you were born on purpose with a purpose. Mm-hmm. A lot well, of our I kids, yeah, a lot of our kids don't, don't believe that. Yeah. You know, I, I remember as a kid thinking like, what in the world, why? You know, and I knew God made me, but I didn't know why. What, yeah. what was the point to live this life yeah. full of hardship and suffering and, you know, um, so to, to let them know, you know, you were, you were made on purpose by a loving creator. Yes. Um, and he has a purpose and a plan just for you. It's unique just for you, you know, and we spent a lot of time on that yeah. of who God made them to be. And that was done a lot of, a lot in their one-on-one time. Um, we use the story of Joseph for that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he was in a pit at the hands of his family. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of hardship in that, but God had a plan and God never left his side. And that's what I wanted those kids to, yeah. to know when they, they left camp uh, this summer, that they were never alone. And so, so that's Camp Toto. Um, hmm. It's very close to my heart. It's something I think a lot of our kids, you know, could benefit from and just really, and it blessed our counselors. Yeah. You know, when we asked them what their favorite part of camp was, um, one of the counselors came up to me and said, I never would have thought a 10-year-old boy would have said his favorite time was to be with me mm. in our quiet times. With all the fun stuff we had going on, for me to be the one he picked mm. blew his mind. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, but that's what these kids, they long for, mm-hmm. is that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, we do a lot of support for DCS. Um, you know, and that... That looks like many different things, but this is where sometimes I feel like our supporters scratch their heads, right? Because it it is a broken system, right? Like it's a government system, it's broken. There's a lot of red tape, you know, Mm -hmm. but what Bill and I talked about when we started Foster 180 was, you know, we can complain about what they're not doing or we can just pick it up where they let go and do something Mm -hmm. good. Because complaining about it doesn't get the kids what they need. That's right. And so um, that's where our foster closet came in, yeah. you know, where clothes and car seats and strollers and um, all the things uh, that you would need. Um, we, we opened that in, in our garage. Bill had a dream to, to build a garage. <laughs> and I went to him and I said, could we make it just a little bit bigger? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we did, um, and so it it stored all of our our clothing and um, snacks that we keep yeah. on hand to give to DCS because they have kids that are in the office. Yes, yes. You know, so we want to make sure that their pantry is full and their freezer mm. and their refrigerator is full. Um, and and I even I tell the the caseworkers, look, it's not just for the kids. If you've mm-hmm. got to sleep overnight in the office with a, with a child, <laughs> make yourself a meal. Don't yeah. don't. You know, because they're like, we won't, you know, because they, they appreciate right. what is brought. Right. And they know that, you know, most people are donating for the children. Right. And, I, and I said, no. I said, you deserve. Yes. You know, their, their job is hard. Um, and and I'm sure every foster parent has a horror story that they could tell you about mm-hmm. a caseworker. Okay, we, we have our own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that one caseworker does not, that's not the face. Um 
of DCS. That's not right. the face of every caseworker that's there. There's a lot of good people mm, yeah. at DCS, yeah. you know, that want to do do good. They wouldn't be in the job they're in if they didn't want to do something for the kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so we do a lot of support um, work with them. Um, they know they can call me anytime, you know, day or night, yeah. and I'm yeah. gonna show up with a backpack or. <clears throat> You know, meet a, meet a parent that needs, you know, a car seat because mm-hmm. they don't have one. We have kids that come in with, with nothing mm-hmm. that need everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and we want to be able to, to be that resource I for love those that. parents. You, what you described to me, um, uh, Jenny, is uh, I think in our, in our conversation before we started recording, you used the word hand-holding a couple different times. And hand-holding has a couple functions. One of them is comfort. I just grab your hand for the grieving, for the frightened, uh, and I say, there's a presence here that loves you, that is safe. Hand-holding is also has a role of guidance mm-hmm. to say, okay, I, you have to go this way. <laughs> yeah. You can't stay where you are, because where you are is not safe. Where you are is not healthy. Where you are is, is, is fraught with more danger by staying than by going. And yeah. hand-holding is about guiding them. And as you describe the various things you do, uh, hand-holding is really a great description. Uh, what I also love about uh, what you've described to me is that uh, you are, you know, I know you say 180, and I'm, I'm just going to assume that it has to do with turning things around. It does. But it actually is 360 because mm-hmm. it's, it's well-rounded. You're, you're loving families who because of generational problems, have given up their children, mm-hmm. uh, who have no tools whatsoever to even see the problem, mm-hmm. who uh, uh, the culture of abuse and poverty, those are real cultures in our, in our society today. Uh, you're loving them and you're saying, let's walk with you. You're mm-hmm. saying uh, to families who say, we're gonna take on the task of fostering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna do this and it's big. And we, we actually have said yes to what we don't know. It's kind of like marriage, isn't it? You know, for better or worse, I'm going to make these promises and yeah. I'm going to keep them. But they're really open-ended, aren't they? You know, <laughs> who knew that, you know, 26 years ago that you'd be building a bigger house, a garage, right? right? Yeah. Um, God knew. He just doesn't tell us stuff like That's that right. sometimes. And, and I think uh, you des- what you describe is... Um, a, a, a turnaround ministry that has a 360 degree radius of love and care and so I am happy to um, I'm happy to to have you here mm-hmm. and have this conversation with you um, I want to I want to um, uh, throw this question out to you and then we're gonna wrap it up uh, the question is is there anything else you want us to know mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm going to make it twofold. Is there anything else you want us to know? And maybe this can help shape that thought. Uh, maybe I'm sitting there in my, you know, I'm, I'm at the gym, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm wherever I am, I'm on a bike ride, I'm, I mow my lawn, you know, whatever that is. And I have begun to feel the tug of the Holy Spirit to say, well, maybe, maybe some of what I have could be used for some of what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that not everybody uh, is gifted or called or skilled to do foster care. Right. The capacities of people are different. Mm-hmm. But for that family, that person, that mom, that dad, 
who's hearing these words, uh, can you say to them uh, a word of encouragement to, as they want to move forward? Uh, and then wrap, and you, you too, Bill, and then wrap this up with just a simple, uh, it, here's one more thing I want to say. Okay. Um, I think it is important to know that, you know, not everybody's called to foster. We know that. Um, but we do believe that everybody is called to care in some form or fashion because scripture tells us we are supposed mm-hmm. to care for, for orphans. Um, there's been pushback sometimes when I use that term for foster children because um, in, our, in our world of orphans, we say that's somebody that doesn't have parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to recognize in foster care, those children are wards of the state. Yeah. Um, they, their parents do not have custody of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are they are lost yeah. in their own minds and their own feelings. So in all aspects, I would say um, that scripture does pertain uh, to yeah, our foster children in, in America. And so um, just to encourage those that, that look at the system and see that it's broken and want to help, uh, there's ways just coming around a foster family and, and encouraging them. Um, we had we had twin boys, babies. Um, for six days was as long as we had them, and I think I slept maybe two hours mm. when I, well, while we had those boys. Three. And um, three hours, maybe three hours, maybe three. It was oh, there you go, exaggerating crazy. again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so somebody in our church recognized that I, because I'm still trying to, you know, we're starting, still trying to get our family to church, yeah. doing all the things. And um, one of the moms came up to me and said, can I make you dinner for the next few nights? And I just started crying. Yeah. You know, sometimes foster parents don't know what to ask for. Yeah. Um, but if we're being mindful and we have that heart that mm-hmm. says, I do want to help, yeah. um, it's saying, I want to do this for you, not what can I do for you. Right, okay. Um, and you know, food is always a good starting it place. It is. It yeah. is, yeah. That's such a great reminder. Thank you. Yeah, and so... So no, you don't have to always be the one that opens your house, um, but those things that you can do. Uh, just a quick illustration. Um, so when we were fostering, we had a sibling group before with no rap team. Okay, um, that made it to where my oldest child did not fit in my car anymore. So if we went anywhere, she was staying home unless we we call him Papa um, unless Papa was home um, to take two cars everywhere. Um, we you know, had the space, but didn't have, didn't have a lot of, a lot of things. And it meant there was a lot of things that we had to say no to for the time that they, they were with us. My friend who lived in Williamson County had a rap team. Okay. She had uh, four children at the time and then got a call for a sibling group of six. Oh man. Mother's Day weekend and her twin girls, it was their birthday. And so with her rap team, what she received, um, Somebody went and got all the party supplies, did that did that pickup for her so that mom could stay with the kids because it's so important for the foster mom to be there with the kids and not yes. running back out the door right. as soon as those kids come. They need that's part of their safety. Um, somebody came and decorated their house, made sure their laundry was done and kept up, and the house was ready for when guests came for that birthday party. And the church brought their fifteen passenger van and put it in their driveway so that they could go to church together or go wherever they needed to go oh, wow. together. Yeah. Right? That's kind of the difference between being yeah. people that, that want to help and, and are part of 
seeing the need and, and diving in, you, not, not to take the kids in, but to, to support those that have, yeah. right? Yeah. Supporting their yes. They've said yes to this. And yes, it, it, it was a decision that we made. We took that on. Right. But that doesn't mean we don't need help. Right. Right. And right. so um, so that that's just ways, you know, that you can just tangibly come come alongside those families. Right. Um, obviously, if you're in our area, donations. Um, I do tell everybody, like, we only take stuff that's in season as far as clothing. Right. And it really has to be new or like new right. um, uh, for our stuff. And then... Obviously, cribs and strollers and all those fun things. Yeah. We take those donations. Um, we're always looking um, and excited to find people that want to be trauma-informed. Yeah. We think that that is a huge piece. That Even just doing that, even right. if you're just never, if you are never on a rap team, right. just being trauma-informed will change your, your the way you look at people, especially those that come in the church hurt and wounded. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it really does change your approach. Um, to the to those people that just they're they're lost, you know, lost. Yes, as far as salvation, but even in who they are and what they're supposed to be doing, um, and some of our stuff that that we have carried for years in church, some of our verbiage, some of you know, mm-hmm. some of that can make them walk right back out the door. Absolutely. And for our kiddos that are that are there um, in Sunday school, or you know, if, if we're using the same type of consequences. For kids from hard places, with kids that have a safe, mm-hmm. secure biological family that they're mm-hmm. going home to that day, you get totally different outcomes, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, we want those kids to be able to stay in class, Absolutely. right? We want yeah. them to be hearing the message of Jesus, not in the hallway, you know, getting told they're going to go sit with an adult. Mm-hmm. Like those kids would be like, "Sign me up! What adult do I get to sit with? Like, yeah. send me!" You know. But what can we do to keep those kids engaged? Yes, you know, yes. because that's where they learn and um, and hear about Jesus. So um, th- that's a huge piece. Just wanting to be trauma informed. Good. Yeah. Good. I think we we I like to say it this way that we often send people uh, forward to build a life, but we have not given them any tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, no faith tools, no social right. tools, no relational tools, no conflict tools, and uh, I travel around the world quite a bit, and almost every time I ask a group of leaders, what's the number, what's one of the top things you need us to come in and and do training in, they almost always say conflict resolution. We have no idea how to solve problems, and so I think it's a universal thing. So, um, is there anything else you want to say to to people who are listening? Um, Pray for us. Okay. Um, pray for us to be able to, to grow. We are um, volunteer, 100% volunteer. Nobody is paid in our in our nonprofit. Um, and all of us work really hard to do the things that, that we're able to do. Yeah. Um, we do have a big dream that I would love for everybody to pray about. Um, we would love one day to have a Foster 180 house yeah. that yeah. transforms families. Mm. Um, because when we foster, we, we need to keep in mind we're fostering a family, not just the children. Yeah. Um, reunification is always the first goal and and if we're able to do that if we're able to bring the gospel to parents um, that are at a place where I can't I can't imagine being I can't imagine somebody walking in and telling me that you're gonna take my children away mm-hmm. doesn't you know we can we can put labels on that we can we can grade that you know yeah. like well you deserve that because right. you did this this and this 
that doesn't mean that parent doesn't feel the weight of losing their their child. And so to be able to step into that family at that moment, that's a privilege that we shouldn't lose sight of. Holy ground. Yes. And and to be able to come around that mama and that daddy, you know, and love them. um, They're not feeling that at that point in time. Right. So to, to be able to be that. So we do have a big dream of, of doing that and what would happen inside that home. But if you would pray, pray with us for that, um, we would appreciate that too. Absolutely. So if somebody said, uh, you've moved me today and we'd just like to give you some cash. Do you take cash? (laughs) Yes, sir. Okay, good. And they can, they can, uh, can they do that online? They can on the website. Excellent. Or Mm -hmm. they can send a check to foster 180 in your address, your PO box. PO box 171. Perfect. Yep. Lebanon. Perfect. Yep. And then uh, one of the ways that we have encouraged people to give, uh, uh, we, we did a Section 8 school where we rented mm-hmm. for our, um, I, did, did they call it Section 8 in Tennessee yep. as well? Mm-hmm. We did a Section 8 school where we rented their facility uh, as a church years ago. And uh, we were able to collect, uh, I don't know, about $325 gift cards from Target or Walmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, only those two stores mm-hmm. um, because all the other stores have don't they're too specific mm-hmm. uh, but Target and Walmart are broad enough yes. and so if somebody said hey this month I'd like to buy four gift cards of $25 each and we recommend $25 each because that allows you to put, put it on a specific mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. Um, would that be acceptable absolutely okay so yeah. I don't you hear that folks uh, there's ways to give uh, as you head into uh, our giving season of, of Christmas, of, of New Year, uh, if you say, man, we want to do some year-end uh, mm-hmm. generosity, uh, don't wait until December, start now, yeah. uh, because if you start now, you, you just might be providing Christmas for kids who um, don't have that chance. And so we want to encourage anyone out there hearing this uh, to f- follow the links in, our, in, in the show notes and then... Uh, feel free to be as generous as you want uh, and as generous as you can with Foster 180 uh, with Bill and Jenny um, and uh, this has been a great conversation I'm so grateful that you've come Uh, we're going to be all month long talking to families who have either done foster or adoption or foster to adoption Uh, those are stories you're familiar with both and we want to uh, we want to celebrate and honor people I finish with this thought that um, can I say one thing? Oh, please part? do. Yes. Yeah. So when Jenny was talking about before, for our first the first call that we got, you know, and I was like, I don't even know what foster care is, you know. And we had a conversation, we prayed about it, and I'm like, and so I was thinking, well, you know, here we're like, somebody needs to take this girl, and so actually, what I remember saying was like, why not us? Why why would it be us? Why would it be somebody else? Right? Why why would we put that off? I'm like, yeah, somebody needs somebody needs to take her. Yeah. I'm like, why? Why wouldn't it be us? Like, I don't yeah. know anything about this, but why wouldn't it be us? Right. And so I just encourage people that you know, it's a big step, yeah. right? But you know, but why not you? I mean, that's a yes. It was like, mm-hmm. it was a yes that really didn't have to be verbal because it was like it's it's an of course, yeah. more of a yes yeah. than a well, of course we would take her. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. quote the philosoph the the philosopher, it's third grade SpongeBob. <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> Of course you can do it. Right. So that is a great way for us to finish. Yeah. Um, Bill, thank you. Uh, we become like Jesus. Yeah. 
when we become generous. Mm -hmm. And generosity is not just about money. It's about our time. It's about our space. It's about our family. Uh, We didn't get a chance to talk about this uh, in full. full. Mm -hmm. If we had hours and hours, we Mm -hmm. could do it. Uh, But even just to talk about the fact that uh, you've taught your daughters Mm -hmm. a lesson about generosity at its greatest uh, at its greatest point of need, mm-hmm. and uh, and so, uh, God bless you, folks. Yeah, uh, thank you for joining yeah, us. Thank you for us. Oh, you bet, folks. That's it for uh, say yes and become today. Join us, uh, and we're excited about uh, hearing their story. Join us again as we all month long. We just talk to families who have said yes to providing compassion and care in the most personal way. Uh, God bless. Hi, I'm Abigail Moore, the Transitional Living Coordinator with Foster 180. Did you know that we all innately possess the seed of resilience? This is the ability to not only recover, but to also advance despite adverse experiences. It's something that everyone has the ability to achieve, even when one has faced hardship. But you can't do it alone. Just like a seed needs water, sunlight, and soil to grow and mature, resilience has some requirements as well. The first is healthy attachments. An example of how Foster 180 helps facilitate this is through our partnership with SOAR. It's a grassroots organization seeking to make an impact on youth across Wilson County with personal positive influences through a mentor relationship. Self-regulation is also necessary in order to achieve resilience. And we teach this through various interactive activities at Camp Togo. One more vital piece is protection. When people, organizations, and communities are educated and choose to offer trauma-informed care, we are better equipped to recognize the signs of trauma and to respond and protect those involved from getting re-traumatized. It's Foster 180's desire to have a facility where we help families learn and practice these components of building resilience with foster and bio parents. If you have any questions or are interested in supporting Foster 180, please contact us at www.foster180.com. That's www.foster180.com.